Lego. Lego. Hey everybody, welcome back to Back to Brick. I'm your host, Garrett, and this is the podcast where we talk with fellow AFOLs from around the world about their Lego builds and how they go about doing it. And we get down to the bricking news every Friday to talk about all the things Lego has come out with. First, if you're a first-time listener, thanks for tuning in. If you're a long-time listener, thanks as always. Please subscribe to the podcast at Back to Brick on any of your favorite podcast listening apps and follow us on Back to Brick 2. Today we have a designer who is most well-known for his builds on YouTube, but also on Instagram. His name is Kelvin, but he goes more so by Chubby Bots, C-H-U-B-B-Y-B-O-T-S. First off, I want to just welcome you to the podcast, Kelvin. How are you today? Oh, doing great. <laughs> yeah, just had my morning coffee. It's evening yeah. here, so the time difference, <laughs> which if you would tell our listeners, where are you from exactly? Uh, okay, I'm from a small sunny island in Asia, uh, Singapore. Basically, it's very hot all the year long. <laughs> Most of the time, I stay at home and build. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say that you are very active in building. I've always yeah. wanted to go to Singapore. I believe my wife and I were talking about it. That's where Crazy Rich Asians was filmed. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> so that kind of put it on the map a little bit more. <laughs> So, what do you like to build mostly? Uh, well, in fact, uh, probably a brief history. So, I actually started out building when I was very young. So, I actually built between age 7 to 12. And after that, puberty sort of hit. I was more interested in girls rather than Lego. I gave it up. And then, when my son was a, uh, born a couple of years back, 10 years ago. So, after that, I used to do a lot of Gundam models, but uh, soon after I switched to Lego because I couldn't paint at that time. That's how I got started back in. But uh, usually what I like to build is more of a mix and probably monsters as well. Definitely from most of your videos, I, I've seen mechs, but you also branch out into some of the cultural pop hits, which we talk about with updated mech suits from the uh, What If series. We've got Godzilla, which, of course, we'll, all, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but in your history, you were talking about you, you started building young. Do you remember mm. what kind of sets you had, or were you just kind of building whatever you thought of? Okay, my initial few sets were actually more to Blacktron, Space Police. I think those were very awesome. Uh, too bad, too bad it's discontinued. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, correct. Then uh, other than that, a bit of castle on the side. So sometimes I like to build a bit of medieval fantasy. So yeah, that's basically mm-hmm. my whole history. <laughs> and then when you said you got back to it, with your son did you build and buy sets or was it more so from your collection of lego you started building different designs yeah in fact when i did restart uh unfortunately my old sets i actually gave it away so i had to rebuild my collection so when i did restart i actually started off buying sets mainly a lot of creators and ninjago but the set that actually got me on board was Actually, the Ninjago Fireman, the original small version, that was quite a very cool set. And at that time when I built it, I found like, hey, wow, Lego has really changed over the years since I last built it. I mean, now the joints, there's more possibilities, there's more possibilities as well. 
Then I find that mm, why not give it a shot? Then from then, then I started from sets. Then change slowly. I start to modify a bit. Then slowly start to branch on to mocking and full mocks as well. From then on, because mocking definitely gets your ability to do whatever you like to do out there. And when you started building your mocks, what were some of your, I guess, draws to building mech suits? Well, I'm a science fi guy, and uh, I also love Gundams. I think that with that interest, and I really find that during that time, there weren't many people doing it as well. So I say, well, why not I just give it a shot? Let's try it out on my own. Yeah. Then uh, fortunately, there was Flickr. True Flickr, I actually got to know a bit more. I really saw that, wow, uh, there are a lot of people building uh, mech suits, especially those from, uh, I'm not sure of uh, Moko. Moko is a very basic, yeah, correct, uh, Japanese uh, label builder. He builds a lot of mech suits as well, so I took inspiration from him. In that, you kind of just moved into building those mechs. Were they large-scale mechs, or are we talking just smaller scale, like a little bit larger or about minifigure size? So when I started out, I didn't have more, I had to restart my collection. So majority of it was uh, small to mid-sized mechs. So until about the second or third year where I had a sizable collection, that's when I started to branch out doing slightly larger mechs. Until it evolves into what you see now in mm-hmm. large-size formats. In these mechs, you said you like Gundam. Is that kind of another thing that made you interested in these mechs? And I see that you've designed a few of them. Do you want to just kind of branch out into what kind of Gundam builds that you've done? Well, actually, Gundams, uh, I, for the Gundams, I actually use the, I did do it in a plastic model kits. So it's kind of snap fit kits that you have off the shelf. But from there, what I did was uh, take inspiration from the design. And from mm-hmm. that design, I want to translate it into Lego. Because for Gundam models, the key difference is they have an inner frame. With that inner frame, you realize that a lot of my tutorials, I emphasize a lot on the frame build because I felt that the frame build is much more easier for you to connect the pieces and plate it versus you have to keep redoing the entire frame over and over again. So with a standard frame, then from there, you can actually just repeat the process and improve on how you plate. Yeah, that was my inspiration from Gundam. Uh, but of course, other inspirations can come from games like Titanfall, uh, I did build a few Titans from the Titanfall series. And also, Max, sometimes I can even get things from Minecraft as well. So there are some small Minecraft builds that I do, do on the site as well. Inspiration comes from everywhere. Yeah, I've seen some of your Minecraft builds. I, I wish I actually played to understand who they are, but uh, yeah. there's the dragon. What's There's a large like creeper, I guess it's called. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a modified creeper. It's a custom creeper. So Minecraft is as crazy as Lego as well. They do a lot of custom stuff. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's... yeah. And that's I was going to also, just to backtrack, you said that you know Gundam has the internal frame. Did yes. you kind of... You took that... Did you make for your mechs kind of a Lego internal frame? Uh, yes, I have a, in my YouTube channel, I have an entire playlist called Frame Friday. So from there, you can see me build the frame as well as the, click the entire mech from scratch as well. With those frames, how, how mm. detailed do you have to be to kind of get into it? Because just movements in general like that and having the ability to change a figure is tough. Does it take you a while to come up with those frames? It does take a while. Uh, initially, it took me probably like uh, two to three days just to churn out a frame. And even if it's small, sometimes uh, you have to plate it up and then see where possible blockages happen. Because this design process is always one step forward, two steps back. So one step forward, 
redesign the whole thing again. So yeah, but as you get used to it, frames get more and more complex because I mean, as a viewer on YouTube, you probably don't want to see the same shit all over and over again. So <laughs> you always have to step it up. Yeah, so yeah. my frames, yeah, the initial frame was quite small. Uh, in fact, it was like, I think probably slightly than a big fixed size. So it gradually it went to mid-size, something like Zane's uh, Titan Mac that you see now, the newer version. Yeah, after that, they got even bigger and bigger. <laughs> I've definitely seen that. And I'm going to guess well, yeah. a couple of your favorite parts in LEGO are the brackets. Yeah, definitely. I have one whole big chest full of brackets. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I was going to say, with these bracket pieces, mm. is there still strength to having those brackets take up space on, I guess, the frame? Because mm. probably a lot of weight you put on that. Mm, yes. Uh, that's why, in addition to bracket placement, uh, joint placement is important as well. Then knowing the right type of joints for the type of frame as well, uh, that is also important because as you plate it up, the frame is going to get heavy. Then from that weight, just to the gauge how wide the feet will need to be as well to support the frame. Then also in terms of, because as a mech, you also have to carry weapons other than the armor parts as well. So all these considerations, you have to take it in. <laughs> it's a lot of engineering involved. So yeah, that's what I want to say. A lot of back and forth. Sometimes you play out the whole thing, then realize once it holds the weapon, it falls apart. Or the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why Lego didn't want to have knees in our mechs. It is very tough. I didn't notice that till like looking at some of your frames that some of them do have knees, but it, it definitely looks to be a challenge to hold the upper body up because the joints are pretty much the same that you can mm. build from the bottom up. Yeah, that's where the bracket comes in. And also the brackets actually help to prevent the joints from going side to side, especially if you're using ball joints. Mm -hmm. Then they have to swing from the left to the right. Giving a defined movement with the frame uh, really helps to isolate the movements so that they will not, your mock will not give way under weight and pressure. Which is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely good. Definitely good. Yeah, especially <laughs> you don't want to have that break, you don't want to have your mock breaking apart where in a fight or something. <laughs> especially kids <laughs> like to bang around and swish around. Yeah, correct. For your builds, mm -hmm. You only yeah. build uh, with physical Lego, correct? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Uh, I don't... I'm not against digital. Uh, I mean, uh, it's good because with digital, you can plan. But sometimes I like to use the physical bricks because I can turn the thing around and make it go upside down. What? Because sometimes some parts, I prefer to physically hold it and visually twist it to see where I can fit this part. Because some pieces... Uh, like say a chair for example, a chair is just a chair. Then uh, if I build digitally, somehow I don't think I'll be able to flip it over and see like, oh, it can be used as a neck shoulder part, for example. Then also some connections are not possible in digital. <laughs> Illegal builds are definitely a must for Max. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say just doing the joints is, I bet, like you said before, it takes time in the physical form of Lego. Digitally, yes. it's almost impossible. Yeah, correct. But, but do they account for physics in digital Lego? They do. So, I mean, mm. I use a digital studio. Mm. And now actually there's a button that says it'll give you a warning in like red or like yellow to say like, hey, there's either a lot of weight on this or there's no physical connection to hold it up, which is nice. 
but you know it's not the same as the real world once like if yeah. you buy parts it could still <laughs> it could still screw up yeah no because on instagram i had seen some builds and biomax supported it by just a one stuck waist joint <laughs> I'm <not> sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they're like they hold for that picture and then they fall over yeah half a second <laughs> So sometimes you also take Legos models and improve on them. What kind of gave you the inspiration to do that? Uh, well, because uh, as a Mac builder, I often get DMs say, oh, can you improve this set? Can you improve this set? And sometimes, uh, I mean, out of interest, I'll take a look at the set and I say, oh, why not? In fact, my initial few mocks, I just started with actually modifying the original Lego set. So from there, I tend to have a habit of buying actually the newer sets for one is i need parts second also to see what new techniques i can do with the new parts because for every new lego set they always try to incorporate new parts into it so through building the set you actually get to understand how these new parts function then after i built the original set they'll see hmm probably okay maybe i add knees which is quite often that you have to do they also probably improve the maybe the size or maybe the design of the thing yeah so that is why oftentimes i no matter what i'll still buy new sets to test them out and then rebuild them so it's kind of like a habit <laughs> yeah well that's fun because then you get to learn you know what lego may have done um and you're like well that's not right or i could do that better um because most of the time, Lego designs it, I mean, all the time, they design for playability instead yes. of actual look. Um, and I think that that's where you come in to kind of fix it. I won't say fix it, because I, I believe the designers definitely, if they went for looks, they can definitely go all out. Uh, it's just that, uh, yeah, they have constraints. There's always this misconception that Lego designers don't know how to design their max, but uh, truth be told, they have to cater to the company's policy because I know a few of them uh, like Nick for example the one that designed Voltron yeah definitely he can do a much better job if he didn't have all these restrictions yeah so I won't say improve this is more like uh, as a passionate fan uh, how can I uh, change this set to uh, what I like because for me one thing is I felt that by showing all these uh, tutorial videos, I hope that people can take some inspiration and from there do modifications to their own. I mean, Lego is meant to be uh, modified, yeah. not just a set. It's more than just a set. Yeah. So to me, modifying it is a great way to expand on what the origin set intended. I like that because you're right. It isn't about improving them. I mean, if you gave the Lego designers free range to design how they wanted instead of with the constrictions, they could be exactly like this. Like, as you said, like a good example, you did like the Iron Man suit from the Scarif Iron Man in the size that it might be instead of the large scale that we see in the, in the model. And that's okay uh, because both are still right. It's just, you don't have any restrictions other than physical restrictions, obviously. Yes. 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 Correct, correct. Yeah, so so to uh, viewers or listeners out there, don't blame Lego. They're just doing their job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, a lot of angry people say, why? 
Yeah, yeah. You can't still labeled as a kid's toy. <laughs> so yes. having parts that only move in a certain way doesn't really work for a kid. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I have kids, so for them, uh, actually, without knees, is actually much better, really. really. Uh, I understand why they don't add knees. At first, I didn't. And after my kids play through, I realized, okay, definitely without knees, much better. Because kids like <laughs> to just stand the mech and static pose. So having no knees is a lot easier for them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely, yeah. So yeah. then... As we talk about this, you know, you're changing and doing different designs. Um, your YouTube uh, is extremely popular because you you kind of show that process. What um, When did you start your YouTube channel? It, was it similarly around the same time as when you got back into LEGO? Yeah, no, I just started my YouTube channel. Uh, okay, I was on the YouTube a few years back, but then officially when I started, probably about Six, seven years ago, six, seven years ago. Uh, back then, I was actually more on the Facebook. Facebook. Then from there, I realized that through Facebook, just showing pictures itself wasn't enough to tell my members or my friends how to build the thing. So then why not film a video about that process? Then after that, I started the first video. It was just a small toy zooming around with a wheel feature. But after that, I got hooked onto it. I said, hmm, not so bad. So I posted my first video and I say, oh well, let's see how it goes. And uh, not, not too bad, I got about 100 views and hey, wow, actually people like to watch this. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, cause at that time I couldn't find any videos uh, that were like mine. So it was something fresh and new for me. Uh, I did see a few mock videos, I think like uh, Jester Maple, or, apart from that, uh, mainly review channels like Jang Bricks, uh, apart from that. Not much mock channels at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why do you give mm. the design away? Mm. So a lot of people would say, well, why don't you just charge for these uh, or like have a, a, a Patreon, mm. like something that people have to pay for? Because for me, I do have a full-time job outside of this. Uh, in fact, this YouTube, it's uh, more of a hobby for me. So as a hobby and as an A4, I don't see the need to earn off it apart from just the ad revenue from YouTube. I think that is, for me, sufficient enough to cover the costs and time. Yeah. So me, I rather share that out and then uh, hopefully people take inspiration and uh, do their own mocks because I don't wish to hide behind a paywall or instruction right? yeah i was gonna say that's really genuine because that is what happens because someone's like oh mm. i i don't know how to build this mech but i can go and try to find it and yours is pretty easy to find so it's helpful for them to uh have this experience to learn from it i know i've i've used yours before i needed to build a mech suit and yours was the fastest way <laughs> to learn how to do it instead of having to pay for someone's instructions Correct. But, but I'm not against uh, selling instructions. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have our own reasons for doing that. Uh, some they do it for a living. It's fair. It's fair. It's yeah. fair game. Yeah. Especially, I mean, yes, it is. I completely agree. I mean, um, it's a lot of hard work. It, it takes a lot of time. Yes. Like we talked about before, you've done a lot of different themes too. You've done Minecraft. I also see like Pacific Rim, then yes. uh, Godzilla, which I'll talk about in a minute. But what did. What is your favorite theme to kind of do? 
truth be told, I am interested in a lot of themes. So sometimes, let's say example, Minecraft. I wasn't interested in it. I thought it was uh, very blocky looking, childish. But then when I played with my kids, they realized, wow, oh, actually it's not bad. Then I started looking around uh, all the custom mods and all that. Then I realized, wow, they're doing some crazy stuff with this. So from there, I took inspiration and I do. So it's kind of like a spur of the moment. But uh, but in general, uh, things I like to do mainly fall to like figures and mechs and monsters and all that. More like character designs, if you put it broadly. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not that interested in building buildings, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't tell. Uh, I don't think you have one building yeah. on either of your web, uh, your Instagram or YouTube. Uh, I, I, I do have one, but sometimes I do build in my luck. So sometimes uh, for a luck group. Uh, Jay do build buildings uh, apart from uh, the monsters and all that as well, but well, isn't that fantastic? <laughs> <laughs> so you're part of a lug. I how big is your lug? Uh, okay, I'm part of the Python's uh, creations lug. So we have about thirty people. Okay, thirty people. It's a small group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a small group. Uh, and we have a uh, upcoming exhibition soon, which will be uh, this month starting. So the Godzilla and then the Pacific Rim stuff that building is actually for that display. So, yeah. I mean, it looks like you took off with Godzilla. Having Mechazilla, was this all pre-planned? You kind of saw the trailers and thought, oh, I want to make those? Or was it kind of in reaction to the film? Uh, more of in reaction to the film. Because uh, I love kaiju stuff and uh, I love mech stuff. Then uh, what better way than to have both of them fight? So... <laughs> Pacific Rim was like, wow. So, yeah. In fact, the, the first big builds that actually started off the channel was actually from Pacific Rim. I'm also a, a kaiju fan as well. I've been watching Godzilla since I was young. So, I've seen the original Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's why I really like building stuff from that genre a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really know kaijus until Pacific Rim. I mean, mm -hmm. I I knew about Godzilla, but I didn't know he was classified as like a kaiju. Mm -hmm. And seeing those films, it's like, whoa, that's awesome. Like these giant mech suits fighting these creatures and stuff. And then you took it to the other, next level of using and building them. I did Rodan. As we've talked about before, I'm building him. Or I built him and going to build, uh, what is it, the Argo, the aircraft uh, to scale, which, of course, is in the pile of projects. <laughs> but I think you've inspired a lot of people to do that because, I mean, how to add laser effects was uh, insane. It's, only, it's less than a minute, but you've got almost 8 million views. Yes. Uh, I was surprised at how, how successful that video was. <laughs> Believe yeah, I've been blessed by the YouTube God, so, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I was going to say, the algorithm caught... That and Mechagodzilla just threw those right on the front page. Correct. <laughs> it's unexpected. I mean, uh, just a sidetrack. I mean, uh, YouTube is it's a very weird place. Sometimes you videos that expect to perform well don't perform well, and uh, something like that laser effect. I thought, okay, maybe yeah, I get like two hundred k views. I think that's good enough. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> so for your filming, uh, so how long does it take? Do you go about building it first and then kind of starting over? Yeah, correct. Uh, because when I do any instruction videos, I will want to make sure that it's all correct 
So, in fact, usually I'll build finish the whole thing, disassemble it, and then uh, film the process all over again. So that is very tedious, uh, which is why I seldom do that for larger builds. Larger builds, uh, very large builds would be something like what I'm doing, like the Shin Godzilla and probably uh, the large format Pacific Rim Crimson Typhoon as well. But for smaller builds, it's still manageable. Uh, I'm getting the hang of it. Yeah, used to take about maybe three days just to film one. Now I can do it in under maybe a day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty impressive, especially because, yeah. you know, you yeah. have to... YouTube is pretty uh, big learning curve to, uh, to get it right. Um, but having these, it's, it's nice because you kind of split up the mocks in a way that you can... Oh, here's the arm. Here's the other arm. Here's yes. how to do the legs. Yes. Um, and you can pay attention pretty easily. Yes, correct. Right. Uh, I think mechs in general, or even creatures in general, uh, they can be separate to body parts. So with that also, it helps uh, for the YouTube algorithm because they like chapters. So you can split the arm as a first chapter, the head as a chapter. Then especially for those who are just interested in the specific part of the build, let's say just the hip, they can just jump over to the hip build, just get the idea and then end the video from there. Extremely impressed by it. I know that it's not easy. Having you do that is really awesome. Do you have any major projects? Uh, I know you've been working on Crimson Tide or Crimson... Typhoon. Crimson Typhoon. Yeah, Crimson, yeah, Crimson Typhoon is a large-scale build. Do you have any really fun smaller builds that you're working on or excited to show off? Uh, recently, did a, I recently used the Hawk figure and did a brick build around it. So I took out the arms and then I did a custom arm for it. I added some armor to the legs. So that will be coming up next week. Yeah, hopefully I get the time to film it. <laughs> yeah, other than that... I was going to say balancing. Oh, yeah. Other than that, usually I try to stick to two projects at the most because I have a tendency last time to start a lot but never finish. So I learned from then on it's best to just concentrate on a few projects rather than a lot. One thing I learned is that uh, you have a lot of projects pending. Then this backlog builds up. It actually affects uh, the mood. Because the moment we built, then you start thinking, oh, I still got another three builds that I haven't finished. What should I do with it? So, yeah, it's best to focus on just a few key projects rather than a lot. Uh, That's just my advice. Well, that's good advice because I need to take that advice. I have, let's see, five by five. I have 20 builds. Wow. <laughs> no, probably more than that. Um, that are just sitting on my desktop, and there's more than that waiting somewhere else. I have, a, I have a problem with not being consistent. <laughs> anyway, it's it's just a hobby. So, yeah, just don't let uh, the hobby take control of your life. It happened to me when I was doing my Gunpla models. I had so much backlog. And the moment I just wanted to start, I realized I got so much left, I ended up quitting the hobby. So <laughs> don't let that be your story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't let it overtake you to where you don't enjoy it anymore. Yeah. My, I still enjoy it, which is surprising, yeah. which I just got to stick with it till the end. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as we kind of wind down with the interview here, I yeah. first want to say just thank you again. This is really awesome to talk about it and see it because we see people's builds, but now you can you physically show how you do it. Um, which gives that creative aspect to people to take it as a challenge themselves. Mm. How do you think Lego has changed or affected your life? It's changed. That's a good question. 
it is still a very creative uh, I would say it's a creative outlet for me so my day job is as a salesperson I face people all day long so having a hobby that where I don't have to talk to people I can just quietly do that's very meditative that's meditative and apart from that also I get to know my luck members uh, they're fantastic people and uh, I think sometimes building alone can be quite lonely but it's good to know that you have friends around that you can talk about your Lego stuff with because uh, Singapore is a small country then uh, we don't have that much people actively building mocks compared to what you have in uh, Europe and US in terms of changing my life I think definitely helps to keep me more calm and uh, helps to maintain my creative itch as well yeah Bonding with other people. I have two friends that I chat with, and they've been on this podcast before. And we talk Lego, send each other pictures. What are you guys working on? Oh, this, or I didn't have time, but I just did a section of the Coliseum. And it's nice because, like you said, calming. It is a lonely build sometimes, and that's okay. You have your own time. I just don't like to talk to people, so it makes things easier. Uh, (laughs) Um now, yeah. you said you had a son. Does he like to join in or uh, interrupt you when you're building? <laughs> uh, no, usually what I'll do is I will finish my set, then after that I'll pass it to him. Then uh, the next day I'll see that it's completely changed. So, yeah, he does his own, <laughs> he does his own thing. But uh, it does rub off on him. So I think it's a good hobby to have. I mean, uh, it's much better than just playing Fortnite every day. So. <laughs> Yes, yes, I I agree. I unfortunately stand in front of my uh, computer or sit in front of my computer mm-hmm. building. Um, but eventually I'll have some physical bricks to do it more. I just enjoy the unlimited amount of bricks <laughs> I can use on a computer. True, true, true. It's a costly hobby. Yeah, that's why... It, yes. Yeah, that's why it's good to be part of a lock. Uh, you can go for lockbox. It's much easier that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kelvin, I just want to say thank you again for coming on today. I really appreciate talking with you. And I like your thought process with Lego, you know, sharing your ideas, showing people how to improve on their own uh, builds without, like you said, a paywall. Not that it is bad for other people to do that. It's a lot of work. But I appreciate your ability to do that and uh, find calm and peace with Lego. Um, so again, I want to thank you for coming on today. Thank you very much. Uh... Glad to be here. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much. And for everyone out there who's still listening, hopefully, I definitely recommend you go check out his YouTube and his Instagram at ChubbyBots. I'm going to post it in uh, the description so that you can go and check it out. If you haven't subscribed to him on YouTube, definitely should. It's great support and pushes his videos to those front video screens of everybody watching YouTube. It's fun. So you can learn, adapt, and uh, understand how he's building it. Make sure you also subscribe to this podcast so you can learn more about these great designers and what they've done. You can follow us on any of your favorite podcast listening apps and then follow us on Back to Brick 2 for our Instagram. I'll leave you as I always do. Get creative, get out there, and go build something.